Okay, and um, this is the prescription radio podcast. No music, just talk, um, featuring me, DJ Fazbo, the host of the radio show, the host and DJ of the radio show. Just some background. This is the first time that we're doing a like just talking podcast, and um, basically I've been doing prescription radio for I would say nine years, close to nine years. Started off on Bondi Beach Radio, and um, basically, yeah, DJ there, DJ did the show there for close to nine years, and then now we are, oh, I have transitioned into. Uh, Koori Radio, which is 93.7 FM, Sydney City. So that means at any given time when I'm on the radio, anyone can log on and hear soca music playing. Previously, we had a focus on dancehall, reggae, and soca, which we still do. Occasionally, we will play reggae dancehall um, during our show, but um, Sydney and Australia has a large presence of reggae music and a large presence of dancehall. And um, soca so not so much represented. So when I entered the scene with what I with my concept prescription and prescription radio and my prescription nightclub, the idea was to promote soca music as well as the other genres. One of the reasons was that I was involved with an organization called Spin the Music, and Spin the Music was um, founded by Emperor Chin, Trinidadian born out of Toronto. He um, introduced his events and his concept and his music here in Sydney with um, a real passion for it and um, grew something, which was amazing. And people have gotten involved uh, over the years. And so once he left Australia, once he left Sydney, um, I found it necessary to continue the work um, and the movement. Um, yeah, so that's one of the reasons why prescription and prescri the prescription brand and prescription radio was um, established. So I'm just looking back through all my uh, mixes. I have a catalog and an archive of mixes on, prescri on Prescription Nightclub on Mixcloud. So if you go to mixcloud.com, you type in Prescription Nightclub, you'll find my um, catalog. Some of which is very old, some of which is very new. They're all um, subdivided into playlists, so you can check them out. Um, I am going to forewarn you, the microphone quality is not the best, and sometimes the music quality is also not the best. It can be as a result of recording on equipment that's not, you know, extremely well, extremely good. But, um, yeah, it's there <laughs> for you to listen to. So just as a, I guess, a social proof or proof that we were, I've been doing this for a long time. One thing, yeah, and, um, yeah, just passion has been driving it, so, yeah. Those are some things that are going on. Um, so the I'm just gonna get yeah, one of the one of the things that we are trying to actually develop and grow is the soca music scene, as mentioned. So as I've moved over to Kuri Radio, I've really taken a focus on soca and and specifically the culture attached to soca, which is um, he carnival heavy, right? Whether it's positive or negative, you know what? Um, anything right now for soca music is positive, I think. It needs to define itself, it needs to grow anyway, so anything that comes along with soca music and, and its culture is positive to, to bring to the forefront and bring into the light. 
I think. So our focus has been to try and um, push the soca culture. So over the last couple of episodes on on Koori Radio, where I've been able to host the show, I've had interesting conversations and interviews with people. So for example, I've had an interesting conversation with a guy called DJ Toro, the mad bull of Soka, who um, is part of the World Fet Live family, which is an online fet, which was predominantly held during the big COVID season that we all had, we all experienced, we had World Fet Lives. Um, basically, uh, the mad bull of Soka, DJ Toro, um, kind of gave us an insight into what it's like um, living in the UK and what it's like for soca music in the UK. So that's been interesting. We talked to him. We also managed to talk to, let me have a good look here, the Notting Hill Carnival goer, um, the Trini Gladiator from the Just Vibes crew in U the UK. Um, he gave a rundown in his experience and his traditional experience, like he talked about his father and so forth being in Notting Hill and how it was in Notting Hill when Carnival first started. It was a rundown, poor place with West Indians who established that kind of um, Notting Hill Carnival scene down there. So that's interesting to listen to him, um, what it's like now and so forth. And then we quickly jumped across to New York and we actually had the opportunity to speak to like um, a gentleman by the name, well we think it's his, for his real name, but DJ named DJ Spice of NYC, because there's a couple of DJ Spices, but DJ Spice NYC is the one that we're talking about. And he's actually the owner and, or, and CEO of TeamSoka.com. He also has recently started his retirement fund, which is called Pitch Bar and Lounge in Brooklyn. Good Caribbean food, good quality Caribbean food and drinks, and it's a bar and lounge, so it's an indoor-outdoor area. Um, I've kind of had the opportunity to see some images from him. Uh, you can also follow them on in, on Instagram, of course. Um, and the place looks uh, very nice. If I was ever to go to New York, um, which I would like to do, but um, I would definitely go visit there. So then we had an opportunity, which was interesting, interesting, interesting conversation. We had an opportunity to speak to a gentleman called The Stan Man. Now, The Stan Man has been, man, it's like his, he's a disruptor within our disruptive little soca genre, right? So we have a soca genre when we're trying to, in my humble opinion, trying to disrupt the world, like we're trying to disrupt the music scene here in our Sydney, Australia with our, our little niche genre, trying to get people involved, trying to get people to listen to it. He's been doing that in the soca scene by getting to people to listen to smaller islands, music so he he created this, this movement called more than four right and he also created this radio station called the small Isle, small island massive so check him out on his social media interesting interview episode nine i would recommend that you guys listen to that one then we spoke also with uh we, didn't, we got a really really bad recording of episode 10 but we had the chance to speak to lady bacchanal who is um, based in Sydney, who's a dance instructor at Freed Up Dance, owner and operator of Freed Up Dance, and also owner operator of Carnival Vibes Australia, which brings Trinidad, uh, Australian people to Trinidad for Carnival to experience the culture and the festival that is the greatest show on earth. Um, yeah, so we spoke to her about that. 
we got the interviews, they were nice and clear, except the music was very loud, so we unfortunately we had to cut out some of the audio, and we gave you what we thought was acceptable. <laughs> and um, yeah, so yeah, that's the one, that's another episode. The latest episode is quite interesting, we spoke to DJ Gel, um, and we also uh, got to feature some music from Nyla Blackman. So DJ Gel's conversations are always insightful and, and educational and uh, listen-worthy. So if you're into soca music, and you want to learn more about soca music, and you want to know what's happening in soca music, I would definitely suggest that you um, hit up DJ Gel or subscribe and follow him. Nyla Blackman, <laughs> not much to say, except the granddaughter of soca, the princess. Um, Nyla Blackman released a soca album, which is called Technique. And um, we featured some of her brand new hit songs. And um, yeah, I definitely, definitely think you should take a listen. They're gonna open your eyes, they're nice, nice tunes. Um, Let's have a look here. Let's have a look here. What else did we do? What else did we do? We spoke about Caribana. We spoke about Cropover um, in the first couple of ep episodes. Um, Caribana, we got um, DJ Kelvin to give us. DJ Kelvin lives in Toronto. Big shout out to DJ Kelvin, um, who also lived in Brisbane. Oh, no, Brisbane? Yeah, he also lived in Brisbane for a while in, in Australia. So he's up in, in Toronto and he gave us his number one. Uh, tune that he would like to hear, and that was uh, Chicken and Rice by Moto, the road mix. And um, yep, ever since he told me about the song, I've been hooked. Big tune. And then in the crop over edition, which was episode three, we spoke about um, the start of Bashman Soka. We spoke about Bashman Soka actually, and it's interesting because Bashman Soka is actually. Um, Indigenous, indigenous to uh, Barbados, right? So it's a, it's a blend of their culture into Soka. And that is, that is something really interesting I want to talk about. I've got um, Lady Bacchanal here on this podcast with me, so I'm just going to introduce, introduce her and I'm going to ask her about some, some questions. So Lady Bacchanal, um, if you'd like to enter the conversation, that would be amazing. <laughs> Hello, how are you? That's, that's my initiation there. Okay, so what's happened? You heard what I had to say. A lot to unpack there. Let's jump in at, for example, Caribana. What do you know about Caribana? And did you listen to the episode, for example? To be honest, I'm not. I don't recall which ones I I tuned into. Uh, Caribana. I know a few people who live in Canada who've experienced it in the in the past. Uh, so I. I've heard sort of accounts of what it's like uh, over there and the fact that it is it is quite large and there is a huge population of uh, Caribbean people up there so the culture is very much a part of um, Toronto so you know your average Torontonian will participate and uh, yeah it's uh, it's huge yeah it is huge um from what I saw, Lakeshore, um, I know a lot of people there. We know Dr. J. We don't know him personally. Well, we know we met Dr. J. We had drinks with Dr. J. and so forth. We know him, but we don't know him. You know, I say we're not in his inner circle. Let's put it that way. Um, who else do we know? We know um, DJ Kelvin, as mentioned. We know little tiny Winey who lived out here in Sydney for ages, but during a school, uh, as mentioned, it's been the music owner operator Emperor Chin in Milton. Yeah, we um, have uh, Shanda who came to Carnival, Trinidad Carnival with us a yeah, few years so back, Shanda. who was living here. Yeah, Shanda, so, and who else do we know? 
Um, that's yeah. We were, we were in Toronto briefly. Uh, it looked like a very multicultural, nice place. I'm somewhere I would like to go back to. And actually, I think that before COVID hit, um, the plan was to get over there for Cropo, uh, for um, Caribana and participate and see if I could potentially DJ at any of the on any of the floats. Oh yeah, actually that was right. Emperor Chin said there was, might have been an opportunity, but this is pre-COVID. And so that's why the planning started. Um, so yeah, that's where it's at with the Toronto. I think, I think Toronto would be fun. And I reckon it would be fun because of the amount of Caribbean people there that are, like Toronto has a lot of Caribbean people from what I heard. And, um, but they're not as, as, as vocal as I feel like the Caribbean people in the UK. What do you think? From what I've seen on social media, I do find that uh, those from the UK are a lot more uh, vocal and they tend to be a, a lot more podcasts, a lot more chats uh, about uh, occurring about sort of carnivals and soca music and, and culture in general. Um, I haven't seen as much come out from uh, North America and Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've listened to a, a few sort of podcasts or YouTube videos or Instagram sort of stories, uh, especially recently given uh, Notting Hill Carnival was on. So there was a, a lot of commentary uh, about the about that and just the, the sheer um, scale and size of it this year, having come, come back after the uh, hiatus with COVID and just... Yeah, people's opinion on music styles and genres. And yeah, let me just jump in. Like, this is the big year of the comeback, right? 2022, 2023. 2023 is getting included because the biggest carnival of the circuit, the circuit of carnivals that happens annually, pre-COVID, the biggest one is happening in 2023. It didn't happen this year because we were still in um, a bit of a... We were basically coming off COVID number two. So 2023 is getting included. So it's the big year of the comeback. And I know a lot of people are probably looking forward to the 2023 jump up in Trinidad, where it's going to be, yeah, I don't know, Tambanka Central. People haven't seen each other that use the lime and party with, haven't seen each other. And I'm sure it's the same in Toronto, and I'm sure it's the same in Notting Hill, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere, that people haven't seen each other, and they come, and, they, and the big year of the comeback, you know? I think that's a thing that's happened. Um, how do you feel about that? Definitely. Um, it's just, it's, it, people are absolutely keen to get back out on the road and all these carnivals that have been coming up this year um, since sort of borders opened and things are coming back to normal. Um, the response to, to carnivals has been huge and even looking at the anticipation uh, for Trinidad Carnival next year, uh, it's going to be explosive. Uh, things are already sold out Um and, you know, the conversations are well and truly underway about what FETs people are going to be going to and, uh, you know, what, what they're going to be getting up to. So, very exciting. Yeah, everything for Carnival 2023, for example, that we know of has been sold out already. So, you won't be able to, like, uh, from accommodation all the way through to um, parties and probably your, your little uh, bacon pool jol in the morning. Anyway, um, yeah, I was going to say, so... This is the big year of the comeback. Crop over was there. Crop over, I didn't really hear. It's like St. Lucia was really the first one to come back, and we went on the radio back then. 
because of um, technical hiccups. But St. Lucia was really the first one where I saw, yo, people are back on the road. I'm seeing people from Sydney that are French Caribbeans end up in St. Somehow went back to the island and somehow end up in St. Lucia and in Carnival. So it was really the first one back on the scene. Did you s did you notice anything about St. Lucia? Did you hear anything about St. Lucia? Uh, I did see things come up on my feed. Uh, to be honest, I'm a little bit... Uh, because we live in Australia and we're so far and I can't participate, sometimes when I see those things, I'm just like, oh, I, I don't want to see that because I can't be there. Um, <laughs> so, but it did, it did crop up on my, on my feed. I really wish that Australia was closer to the rest of the world. I really do. Because yeah. I'd be over there participating instead of trying to avoid my feed because I'm feeling a little bit envious. So we, we in Australia, what do we think we suffer from? Um, feed envy? Like seeing carnivals come up on your stream, on your Instagram, on seeing seeing all this stuff, and then knowing that it's 35 hours door to door. One travel, not just the 35 hours door to door. It's the cost associated with the travel, with the travel. And then on top of that, you're you're doubling up your cost because you might have to pay rent and insurances in Australia, and then you also got to go and pay for accommodation and food across in St. Lucia, or Barbados, or Trinidad, or Notting Hill, or New York, or Toronto, or wherever it is. And it's always going to be anywhere from 17 hours up till um, 35 hours door to door. It just becomes, you see your Instagram feed, you're seeing all the fets, you're seeing all the people getting costumes and going on the road and, you know, having a good time. What is that? <laughs> is, do, we, do we suffer from feed envy? Like Instagram feed envy? I think so. I do anyhow. <laughs> I know you do, but do you think others that you in your in your circles and uh, I think I think a lot of people who have had a chance to experience uh Caribbean carnivals, uh be it, you know, Copover or Trinidad or wherever. Uh I think living here they definitely fe feel that, um and and see that. Uh I don't think it's just limited to us. Uh you know, if you experience any carnival, uh I think that that sort of freedom and that energy that comes with it is something that you want to be part of and not being able to, being so far away, um, definitely just adds to that level of envy. Yeah, don't forget, like, each carnival is different, huh? Uh, people, what we might, like, I've been to Cropover, I've been to uh, Rotterdam, I've been to Notting Hill, I've been to Trinidad, I've been to uh, Limong, I've been to uh, different ones, right? And each carnival is different, let alone, let, let's talk about Trinidad, it's one that we go back to quite often. Each Trinidad carnival is different, but quite similar in, 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 in a lot of aspects. But I would, not, I would like to know what it's like to go to uh, Spice, or Spice Mass, or Sugar Mass, or um, I would even like to know what it's like to go to, go to uh, St. Lucia and other islands like St. Eustatius, St. Croix, you know, things of that nature. Um, but it's kind of um, too far. Like you said, like we, the, all those elements of money, um, effort to get there, and it just becomes overwhelming if you live in Australia. Um, and also just, it, even from a cost perspective, if you wanted to duck out and make a trip of it, it's just, it's not just the cost, it's the time cost as well, losing the two days coming and going you can't say i'm going to miami for a weekend it's just not feasible 
um, if you were a tad closer, then you could bite the bullet and go, okay, I'm spending the money and I'll go for the weekend and come back. You know, like there's some people that come to Trinidad for carnival, like they come for the weekend and they leave again. They literally arrive the Friday or the Saturday and they come, they hit up the Monday, Tuesday and out. They go back to work Monday morning. And then we make a big trip. We plan it out. We, we like, we come the week before, we pick, you know, we, we do an itinerary. Like, you know, you're the director of Carnival Vibes, so it's like, we, we provide an itinerary for people from Australia to experience the different facets and culture that is to experience uh, during Carnival in Trinidad. So it's like, to see, it's not disheartening, because you, you want everyone to experience and enjoy. But to see people living in New York, flying down for a weekend, or Toronto, flying down for the weekend, you know, it's available to them. It's such, and then it's cheap in comparison. It's not a big expenditure. They're not losing a lot of money by staying away from home for weeks. It's just a weekend, you know? Four days. Yes. <laughs> they need to bring back those uh, fast jets to get us over there. Now, it's in a way, it's good because it helps to build up that anticipation because we know we're going to be going to Trinidad every year. And um, uh, even though we can't attend the others, I think it just sort of amplifies the excitement uh, that we have in the lead up to Trinidad Carnival when it does come around. What? The Instagram envy? Uh, yeah, just so not being able to, to, to attend those other carnivals, I think just sort of adds to the anticipation of Trinidad when it does come around because that's one that we, we do go to. Yeah, um, I tend to agree with that. Yeah. So it adds the anticipation. But that's probably why you don't see a lot of Australians going to carnivals elsewhere. You'd find the majority probably in the UK, probably uh, New York and Toronto, possibly Miami. But and then you'd find them in Trinidad because Trinidad has, has happened to be the biggest one in terms of Caribbean carnivals. So, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's hard because I, oh, I would actually, like. Actually, oh, I forget. Sorry. I forget. You probably might find them in Barbados too because Barbados has. We know some people that go to Barbados just for crop over. Aussies. Yeah, and as as someone who enjoys carnival culture and and the music and the dance and you know all of it, I'd love to be able to experience uh, carnivals in the various various islands. But I just you know forced to make a decision about which one uh, that I go to, and it always tends to end up being Trinidad. Although I think in the next couple of years I'll need to try to schedule in uh, one of the others. It's really difficult having to make a decision that like that, but well, but yeah, like it's it's interesting because if you look according to Toro, right? When I was talking to Mad, the Mad Bull of Soka on episode four on our Prescription Radio uh, 2022 playlist, you can hear he advises that if you were to live in the UK, for example, if you spend your time in the UK, you go over there to work. You could find a carnival leading up to Notting Hill Carnival nearly every other weekend throughout the U throughout the UK. Oh and wow. also, interestingly enough, he said that the first carnival wasn't Notting Hill; it was Leeds Carnival by a year or something. That's quite interesting. That's something I didn't know before. There you go. Yeah, so you can you could if you're in the if you're in Europe, you could just like duck across to Rotterdam. I heard there's one in Paris. Oh, sorry, not Paris, um, France, uh, Marseille. Mm -hmm. um, I know they do circle weekenders over in um, Europe, like in Greece, in um, Portugal. They do the 
do some, and also the Ibiza Soca Festival. So there's all these events happening across Europe, um, and also Notting Hill, of course, um, in terms of Soca. So what do you think about that? Uh, I think it's it's brilliant. I actually saw that one where they did the Soca Weekend in Greece, and their destinations looked spectacular. Yeah, but just to disclaim, you're Greek, aren't you? Greek. Yeah, yeah. There's a so bias there, so <laughs> but it looked it looked great anyhow. But um, yeah, just having that that variety in so many countries, and you know, being able to access um, so much in the way of events is um, is great over there. I guess we didn't have the opportunity to. Uh, try something a little bit closer to home, which was uh, the Japan Soka Weekend. So there isn't much over this side of the world, but uh, that was one that was definitely interesting to uh, to attend and had a lot of fun there. Yeah, Japan was actually really cool. I really enjoyed Japan. Would highly recommend to go to Japan. Um, but yeah, Japan, Japan, Japan. DJ uh, name slips Daiki. DJ Daiki, pick up yourself, sir. Remember the vibes, because he came into our version of uh, the Soko Weekender. <laughs> we did a little Caribbean Rhythm Weekend in Sydney. We're going to try and continue that legacy on. And, you know, in terms of those events that I was talking about in Europe, where they can just duck across here, duck across there for the events, meet friends and see people, and Soka here, and Soka in Germany, and Soka in France, and Soka in Holland, and Soka in Poland, and Soka in, you know, where else? Where else? Greece, okay, in, you know, so in Spain. All these things could happen, but in Australia too. What do you think? Oh, I think it can happen in Australia, and it's. I think there's a lot of people around the world that would like to visit here. So, you tell you what Australia needs. They need, they need soca DJs in every state. Agreed. If they had, if they had dedicated people that were like really like passionate about soca music like that you know these events that you were talking about these festivals that we're talking about in each state then i think that you know you could have a bubbling scene where people just travel across to like adelaide for the weekend for a vibes uh that would be brilliant uh i, I agree a hundred percent with with that the one thing uh going back to japan that i really liked was it was such a good representation of carnival culture the events that they did even though it was on a you know much smaller scale um what they did in terms of the music uh, and the types of events was really on on par not on par but it was committed to what carnival is in the, the caribbean and what i've experienced so it was it was great that way to you know have a soca weekend that was a soca weekend and i would love to see that's one thing that is, I think, lacking a little bit across Australia. Just people that really want to push um, soca music as opposed to just pushing uh, the concept of, you know, a carnival party and they play everything under the sun and it kind of gets lost in, in translation. It doesn't provide an opportunity for people to really c engage with it and learn about it and, and build it. So I would, I would love to see more DJs uh, and event promoters uh, pushing, uh, if like you know, if they do do a you know carnival style party, that it's more than just a, a theme, and they really push the music because I think it would Australians like myself who don't have a Caribbean background. Um, I think Australians are open to new experiences, and they would absolutely love the the energy and the positivity 
and the music that comes with um, Soka and Carnival. So would definitely love to see that. Yeah. So don't get don't get us wrong. Like I don't think I don't think this is what you mean by by like don't just go and throw a carnival party and then have Soka on your flyer and then maybe you hire the appropriate DJ or, or something and you think okay now I can legitimately do a carnival party. That's not what we're saying. That's I don't think that's what you mean. Is that correct or is that what you mean? Uh, so I'm I'm just saying uh, just in in general I'd like to see more more DJs pushing um, soca music, but especially in the instance because obviously when things like Notting Hill Carnival are bubbling and Caravan is bubbling and it's on social media, then a lot of event promoters in general think it's a good sort of theme to throw for a party, uh, ir irrespective of the music style that gets played. So it, it becomes more of a gimmick than it does about really pushing the, the music or, or the culture. That's what I was Yeah, so I get, I get your point, right? And I, yeah. and I think that I, I tend to think that it's all right for them to push the gimmick. Look, I, if, if I see Caravan up bubbling, if I see Notting Hill bubbling, I get your perspective because I agree with it. But I also think like if I was an event promoter, like jump on it because, you know, you know, we could get, it's, it's a good gimmick, you know, you get people through the door, get people involved, get people excited, and they might end up going to Toronto or, or they might end up going to London for those festivals at some point in their life. The, but what I'm, guess my perspective on it is, I think like some of these states need some dedicated people initially. And when I say dedicated, we know some people like, for example, in different, different states and territories throughout Australia that love soca music. True? Yes. There are maybe they're off the culture. They are off the culture. They are born from the culture. They are the culture, right? But they're not as dedicated to seeing the growth of it potentially, but more so want to uh let people experience their lived experience. And then that gets lost in translation. And therefore the genre potentially doesn't have legs to get carried. Um to carry itself in those particular territories and states because there is no plan of attack. There is no, there is no, um, how am I gonna get this into a party? How am I gonna get this music into onto the airwaves in Adelaide or in Canberra or wherever it may be, right? There's no dedication to it, if that makes sense. It's a little different to party promoters. Um, what I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting that there is like, it needs an organization. I mean, we have PAN around Australia and there's some places in that that represent Panwell, so I guess, and then there's some places that don't represent Panwell at all, so I guess it's like that more so. Mm. Oh, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I kind of think it's possibly the same with the the dance as well. There isn't much in the way of uh, you know whining and celebrating the music that way um, throughout the state. So if you had people representing and kind of pushing, uh, that would contribute overall to having a, a much bigger scene and impacting a lot more people over here? Yeah, because like Australia's a gigantic continent. Like there's no reason why we can't have FETs across Australia with um, and different crews colliding, you know, like the Soka crew from Sydney meets the Soka crew from Canberra, meets the Soka crew from Newcastle, meets the Soka crew from Wollongong. You know, that's just all in the same vicinity, right? It's like an, all those places are within like three or four hours of each other. And then that's like four different regions in New South Wales, in the New South Wales region. We haven't even touched Melbourne. We haven't even touched Brisbane, Gold Coast, North Queensland, Northern Territory, Western Australia. It's huge. 
Adelaide, Tasmania. We have plenty. We have plenty of places to go to. Not even New Zealand. We haven't even spoken about New Zealand. Imagine we had a little bubbling scene. We go from place to place, creating a scene, a vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be fun. We've done it. Uh, had a little bit of experience with that with uh, Melbourne. So, what are your thoughts on Melbourne? Uh, so, I, I don't think it's really pushed all that much on a regular basis. But historically, I guess there was a few ad- few events here or there uh, that we'd been part of, and I managed to go down, and they were a lot of fun, like meeting new people that uh, enjoyed soca down there. And there's obviously a fairly big Caribbean community down there and had a lot of fun with with those particular events. It's just I, I don't think it's there's any consistency um, or big events that focus on soca down there, though, which would be nice to see. But uh, definitely in the past had, had fun. And a few people that were down there came up to Sydney for some of the events. So there was a little bit of that sort of ex- exchange and that, you know, sense of... Soka community building, and then COVID came along, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, COVID kind of shut the door on our little, um, our little movement itself, you know what I mean? We also, also, there were some hiccups, I guess. Our little movement kind of died off um, and um, in Sydney for some reason, unbeknownst to me. Um, well, no one said anything about it, but yeah, for us, it kind of died off. Um, we had a little bubbling scene. It's kind of like... I don't know, progressed. I don't even know what's happened to it, but it's not it's not there in the same impact, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the whole the whole nightlife and event scene has, has changed significantly since COVID, so I don't think it's just it's it's affected it's affected the, the soca scene for sure. But I think all of the various music genres have been impacted as well. I guess primarily due to a, you know, limited number of venues now because so many of them closed. But um, I think, I don't know. I think now that borders are open and we can we can start to, to build up again, we'll get to a nice little bubble happening. Because just before COVID, when the Caribbean Rhythm Weekend happened, we had people from Queensland in Sydney. We had people from Melbourne uh, come in and it was, it was, it's a nice, was a nice bubbling, positive feel uh, at that time. So I think we can get back to that. But yeah, I just think the two years of, you know, not having soccer parties and no major events um, and just the, the online I guess growth of some other genres, um, dominant genres that are sort of taking over, kind of redirected people's interest and attention. I think there's a little bit of that as well. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's, that's, I think it's just natural. All those things are just natural, of course, and those are fine to have. But yeah, here we hear, um, me, myself, and I guess yourself too, I he- you're here on a weekly basis representing soccer music in the dance industry, like trying to push people to learn about the music, Teach them the basics of whining, their waistline. People learning what they feel. There people. Some people are coming in the class and learning about their bodies. They didn't realize their bodies could do this and do that. Um, talk about that for a sec. About which part of that? 
I think um, it's it's an interesting. Should I say interesting? But it's it's been an interesting path trying to kind of teach Sydney ciders about soca, uh, especially to m so many who just aren't familiar with it at all. Uh, but it's we've had such a range of people come through, and and you're right. Um, I think with soca, that connection that you have to your to your body and being able to to whine and understand how um, you can move your waistline. I think that's something that really opens up people's eyes. And it's more than just a, it's, it's a f I guess with the, the soca music as well, it's a, it's a fun experience. It's not something that's, you know, taken too seriously from a dance perspective. Um, but it, it just, I think people do connect with the fact that it makes you feel good the music makes you feel good. The fact that you can you know, connect to, to your body, body in ways that you didn't know you could um, is something that uh, people people enjoy. So yes, it's it's been an interesting one. So that's that's part of the soccer footprint in Australia, I guess, that you're doing that weekly, three nights a week, I guess, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, two different locations in Sydney. So because Sydney's quite big, Sydney's like probably huge you know what i mean it's like really big um and then i do my radio show prescription radio i do what else do i do hmm. i dj the classes for you um and yeah we represent in it we're trying to represent circle music here as much as we can um but then that begs the question right is it is it also i could this work in any other state i feel like it could work in melbourne i feel like it could work in brisbane I feel like it could work in Perth. I'm not sure about the rest of Australia, to be honest with you. Uh, like Adelaide, like Canberra, like uh, Northern Territory, like Tasmania. I'm not sure about the scenes down there, what people do and what they don't do. So I'm not sure if it would work there. But I mean, if you had classes, dance classes, if you had a radio program down there, that would be a good start to get something bubbling. What do you reckon? Yeah, from what I've seen of Melbourne, that's a definite there. I've actually had quite a few people from Queensland uh, who f who follow the, I guess the socials for my dance classes, who who really want something like that up there. Uh, so there's there's definitely interest, uh, and I think that if there were people up there that wanted to sort of take on the challenge as far as you know, doing a regular radio program that featured soca or do some dancing up there, I I think it would it would definitely take off and grow up there as well. I could see it grow. I definitely could see it grow. Like, and when you look at other genres of music and you look at other dance styles and you just think to yourself, if that's a trajectory for those dance styles and those music genres, then, and you think about your experience with soca music and the culture attached to it, the dancing, you think to yourself, boy, there's potential. There's such a massive potential for soca dancing to happen everywhere, not just Australia, everywhere, like throughout Australia, throughout Asia. I think the whole of Asia would love it. There's such an opportunity for the soca genre to grow throughout everywhere, but Australia specifically. When you look at, for example, um, the continent of Africa, and then the label that they put onto the music is called Afrobeats, but really there's so many genres coming from different parts of Africa, like Amapiano, like 
the music coming out of Nigeria, the music coming out of Sierra Leone or Kenya. It's all different, but I guess it all gets stamped with this one brand called Afrobeats. So we'll just stick to that for now. Um, but yeah, then if you think about Afrobeats, you think about soca music, you're like, hey, Afrobeats is hitting. But soca music can do that too, because you know, I've always said soca music is a sleeping giant. What do you reckon? I agree, and I think the the one thing that I've noticed on some social media channels, especially something like TikTok, uh, because I put some of my you know, little snippets from, from classes or little things that I do up there, is dancers can make songs go viral. So, you know, aside from the, the mainstream media channels or music channels, TikTok can turn a song into a, a hit and touch. I've, I've, you know, I've seen Ama Piano songs come out or various Afrobeat songs come out that have a dance challenge that you have, you know, people from South America to Poland to, you know, Japan, Australia, everyone getting involved and there's just tens of thousands of posts uh, that sends, send these songs viral and I think there's absolutely no reason why the same couldn't happen for uh, for Soka, uh, to be honest. Like, there's so many fabulous songs that would be able to hit and appeal to so many people uh, that, yeah. You I know what You know what I don't like about Soka music? The one thing I just, I think is, is the, it's the problem, is the problem is, it's because it's so attached to seasons, right? Like, I think I touched on this with um, speaking to Jill as well. It's seasonally attached, like for Carnival, right? So everybody just releases this. It's like this barrage of songs gets re released for this one festival that happens for over a, a two to three week period or a three to four month period or something like that, right? And then in that barrage, there are the music that gets played during Carnival, which is considered the great music or the people that ones the ones that people want to hear. But then what happens is you lose about twenty percent of the releases that are also great that don't get played during that period mm -hmm. and they will never get played again. What do you think about that? Because that that just like as a DJ I'm just like, nah, that's annoying. It happens every time. I just go back into like twenty twenty or yeah. twenty twenty one or something and I listen to some tracks and I'm like, what? This this didn't get played once. What happened to this song? You know? No, I that I agree with, and I felt that way after even my first experience with Carnival in 2010, where you're bombarded by the same 20 songs uh, on repeat for, you know, fed after fed after fed, and I was like, okay, well, surely there's, there's, there's more to listen to. Like, they're great songs, and they've got great energy, but as I started going to more and more carnivals and I realized that was somewhat of a, you know, an annual thing. And there were artists that I would follow and songs that would fall completely under the radar that were incredible. And it's, um, I tell you what, it's a bit of a pet peeve I have as well. Um, if, if part of it is sort of, a, like you said, the, the volume that gets released in a very short time frame. Um, it like a lot of things will get missed by people. So perhaps, you know, releasing things throughout the year um, might help with that, especially when it comes to tying it into the dance world as well. So if there were regular releases of songs that soca dancers could tap into uh, and jump on socials and help push, that might, um, that might help as well. So I don't know, but de definitely I think 
there's a lot that that gets gets missed, and I'm I'm surprised. There's still some songs to this day that you know I listen to, and you look at the streaming numbers on you know YouTube or whatever, and they're really really low, and you're just like, why? Because it's such a great quality song, but I don't know. Yeah, that's how just that's how it goes, I guess, and it is annoying, very annoying. I guess annoying for the people that spend their money. <laughs> Imagine being the artist, right? And you spend your money and time to go to the studio thinking you're about to hit with a song because that's what you do it for. You do it to, I think you do it just to, you know, you're going to, you want to disrupt the scene. You want to put a hit out there. You want to get your name known. You're looking for, you know, an opportunity to, to grow your artistry outside of the festival. And then um, all of a sudden you spend all the money and then it just gets lost. You know, you're under rhythm with Marshall or you're in the rhythm with Bungie or somebody, and your song just gets lost because they're on it, and they're just hitting, they've got the, you know, the pulling power from the start with the DJs and so forth, so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and quite honestly as well, I and this goes back to something that they've been discussing for as long as I've been exposed to Soka, the sheer fact that Soka still doesn't get coined as Soka on so many platforms, also really just doesn't help. Um, there are people that love songs and, you know, you'll see it on social media or even artists. You'll do a Google search on various soca artists and they come back and the description is reggae artist. And it's just, it does not help with raising awareness of soca as a genre uh, with the artists as a genre it just it causes a lot of confusion for those that aren't familiar with it um and i think that it's really important from a branding perspective that soca gets branded as as soca as much as possible uh, so people know what they're they're listening to otherwise it gets confused with you know reggaeton or afrobeats or whatever it may be you know you're saying that, and it's so interesting because we're talking about it here. We're in Sydney, Australia, if you're listening in to this, right? And we're talking about it here, and we kind of like push the music th through our networks to Australians, to other people to listen to. You know, we want to try and help with the growth of the genre and get people to start knowing artists and listening to the music. And it's interesting that you say the branding and the streaming and what it gets labeled as because the people we send to go and listen to this one or to that one, always struggle to find these artists on the streaming platforms. If it's some like, if it's an artist from, I don't know, St. Lucia or something, you know, somewhere or from Vinci or something, you know, it's kind of hard for them to be able to, to find the artist under the right genre or whatever. Have you had that experience? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I I constantly get asked by people in my classes, you know, where they can find the music that we use in class because it's just not, it's not really obvious to them. I've got, a, a, you know, even for the dance school, a couple of little Spotify playlists and I know that there's quite a few um, there now when it comes to soca, but just from a genre perspective on major channels, it's just, it, you know, being lumped under world music or, or reggae doesn't know favours. Okay, so that means that there's definitely um, some scope for Soka to do some work. Like, yeah. if and if not for Soka music itself, think about us people all the way halfway across the world in some random village places, sitting by the beach with a fresh coconut in the Pacific somewhere, and you 
want to hear some Calypso or Soca, and you can't find it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or there's like one or two songs that kind of hit, like over here, obviously, Kess's Hello. You, know, you can play that almost anywhere and people will start singing and they'll be familiar with it. But how many people translate that song into, oh, that's, that's an artist that sings soca music. Let's go find more soca. It doesn't happen. It's no, it's, it's dancehall. It, yeah, it gets classified. Or Afrobeats. Dancehall Afrobeats. That song. It's it not even soca. Yeah. Um, so it it doesn't it doesn't even allow for that natural sort of curiosity and investigation. And what about like Fast Wine by Marshall Montano? It gets played in Australia too. Yeah. Kevin Little gets played. Turn me on. Kevin Little gets played in Australia. Oh, when I say it gets played in Australia, I mean like at mainstream, non-Caribbean focused, anything kind of places, they might play those songs. And then they get classified as Afrobeats or dancehall. They don't know that it's soca music. Even, even though it might be written in the, in the description, it's this is soca music, they might think soca, they don't even, they just, I don't know, all of them might just skip over that word or something <laughs> and just call it dancehall or, 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 or Afrobeats. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> especially with that one. You'll you'll hear that at a, any hip hop club here as well. Um, people from all walks of life will will start singing. They they all definitely know it, but they don't know what it is, unfortunately. Which is which is a real shame because there's just so much more out there that is you know just as good, if not better, and just as catchy and definitely worth listening to. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's part of what we're dealing with. Anyway, um, yeah. So basically, this is the this is our first little like just talking podcast. So we're not really gonna give you any music or you know things like that. But we're just gonna keep you up to abreast of what we our opinions or my opinion. So me, my name is DJ Fazma, the host. Everyone takes me sip. I don't know how people look at me, but I know a couple of things from interacting with people. Um, that I'm potentially get looked at as too serious or authoritarian. Um, and the other thing is what, Jamie? Forgot. How do people look at me? Oh, I don't know. I, d I just want to. You're just. You're just. When it comes to your music, especially, you're very passionate, and uh, you kind of give your opinion. And Australians aren't really used to. Giving oh opinions yeah. the way West Indians are. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So that's that's the other thing that happens to me, right? So I get I get maybe I might come across angry or serious. It's just because I'm really focused and passionate about it. Um, but yeah, whatever you heard about me, if you heard nothing, that's good. But if you heard something about me, or people, will, you know, that's fine. But um, yeah, I'm trying not to be that person. I am me. I'm just passionate about music. I've been a musician. I've been in music my whole life. Um, I grew in music. I'm from music. You know what I mean? It's not like something I've just jumped on the last 10 years or whatever. It's just been a part of what I've been doing. Yeah, I guess that's just been it. I've been, you know, in the vibes and culture for a long time. Um, so, yeah, we're just doing a little podcast here to talk um, through stuff because we've got some interesting stuff and ex interesting experiences that we think we want, that I think is you know, sharing worthy, you know. Um, um, you know, if you have any questions or you have anything to say about it, please feel free to reach out to us. We have some social media platforms. It's called, on Instagram, it's called Prescription Radio Show. One word, Prescription Radio Show. And then you'll see um, the gold, gold and red logo. 
and soca dancehall and reggae so you just join us there on, on instagram and you can also join us on facebook which is also the same platform which is prescription radio show it's a facebook page just like the page it'd be really handy so we can do stuff and keep you abreast but like yeah one of the things i have to mention jamie um a dj hired me from melbourne the other thing too is it's quite interesting sydney promoters have been kind of dashed away because a lot of artists are coming to Australia, recent, and they're coming to do a show in Sydney, but there's not a Sydney promoter involved. Like, I got one um, request to DJ. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I know the artist is coming. I just don't know if I'm going to be DJing there. They put me on the flyer. We'll see how we go. I don't mind if they put me on or not. But Cecile is coming to Sydney in October, which is the, this month coming up. Like today's the 30th of September. So next from next week, end of next week, end of next month, sorry, is when she's coming to Australia. And she's getting uh, bought out here by Rasta Lionware out of Melbourne. And Rasta Lionware out of Melbourne is promoting the show in Sydney. But they're also promoting the show in Melbourne. I'm not sure what they're doing with the other areas or other, other territories. But I did, uh, I guess we asked who's promoting the show in Sydney. And we got, we got a response saying they've got someone already doing it. Um, and it's kind of interesting to find out that, hey, it's a Melbourne promoter coming to Sydney to do their show in Sydney. Um, nonetheless, I'm gonna, I would like to see people, Sydney people support the scene. It's Caribbean music. Cecile is a big artist. And um, yeah, I'd like people to see, come out and support her, of course. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole promotion, promotions and promoters coming to Sydney and doing events in Sydney? I think if they are, you know, good promoters and are able to connect with all the right people and make the event su a success for the artist, then I think that's okay. Ideally, it would be good for promoters to work with, like interstate promoters to work with local promoters. Uh, I think that would be the best way to work together to build something Australia-wide if you have a network of people that are working together as opposed to one promoter in one state putting on an artist in multiple states without anyone's assistance. Uh, again, if they're able to, you know, they've got the, c the relationships and they're able to get people to the event, then great. But from what I've seen in experience personally in the past, I think that I've seen some I've been let down and I felt like the artists didn't get the turnout that they should have, um, which, you know, potentially if more people were involved promoting, they, they might have. I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is to get as many people in that room listening to the artist as possible. Yeah, so I let's, let's talk about like a formula concept here. I agree with what you're saying because it's like weird to have a promoter from another state come into another province and go, here's the show, and not know the audience in that state, not know the politics in the state, per se, not know who's who, and, and so forth. But anyway, that to a side, it's just a small thing. Like, you could still come here and do it, because that's what's happening anyway. Um, but interesting, it's like, if you were to bring an artist to Sydney, what is the first thing you're trying to do? Especially Caribbean artists. If you look at music, or not just Sydney, any state, I think this is, could be a thing. I think, I'm thinking to myself now, just off the top of my head, I think I'm going to try and get wherever I'm going to go with this artist. I'm going to get as much um, airtime for the artist as possible. Meaning, 
how the hell, how do I get people to know the music of the artists coming to Australia? What am I going to do? You know what I mean? How am I going to get those people to know about this artist and listen to the music, the music the artist has got and then go, hey, the artist is actually coming to Australia. I want that artist. I want to go and see that artist because I heard the music. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? What would you do? I think any opportunity to get onto any mainstream radio stations or, you know, any of the Caribbean music DJs uh, around around Australia, particularly in the state, uh, anyone that's sort of exposing that music in general I should be involved in doing things like interviews, uh, any sort of, you know, media prospect uh, should definitely be taken advantage of to, to get number one, awareness of the event out, but then secondly, just like you said, increasing awareness and knowledge and having people listen to the music and, you know, be enticed to try something new and come and listen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, th I think I'm going to give people the plug now because I did a show on the sixth episode of Prescription Radio. It's called, I have a little Cecile session because the artist is called Cecile. Um, she's coming from Jamaica. A veteran artist, if you ask me, who's been around as long as I've been around. Um, very talented. I like her. I think you would like her too. I think the whole of Sydney would like her. I think uh, people that are Nepalese would like her. I think people that are Filipino would like her. I think people that are Chinese would like her. I pe think people that are Lebanese would like her. I think if you're Pacific Islander, whether you're from Tonga, Samoa, uh, Fiji, or anywhere else, I think you're Cook Islands. I think you'd like her. I think anybody in Sydney would like this artist, and it's a shame that she might not get the pull because of how it's being promoted. And it's not a slight on the promoter because the promoter doesn't know what's happening in Sydney or how Sydney operates. You know what I'm saying? So I just feel like uh, if you want to listen, if you're listening to this, or if you're listening wherever you're listening to from us, wherever you're listening to us from. Right, good English, first of all. Um, episode six, you can hear a little bit of a music. You know what I'll try to do? I'll try and put a video clip up of Cecile each each week leading up to the event, and then that way maybe you guys will hear more of her music and decide to buy a ticket and support the artist. I think it's important for Caribbean music. And by the way, I'm not getting a single cent out of this event, so I'm not promoting her to promote me to get some put some money in my pocket i am literally not doing that i'm literally i'm passionate about caribbean music and cecile is a caribbean artist and i want to see her get through and um she's a veteran you know she's a veteran she's a she's not old when i say old like gray hairs and stuff she's still got the young flavor so you can check out cecile online dancehall flavor reggae flavor wicked artist but yeah jay um i'm gonna we're gonna i think we're gonna wrap it up for you Wrap it up for this episode, and we'll. Um, cool, cool. See can I before we do that? Yeah, do it. Jump. Can I just say one thing? I, Nyla Blackman released her album Technique, and I want people to go listen to it because I had a bit of a listen, and it's just it's a really great sound uh, all around, and I think if we can get it up there and and trending, uh, this is one that will help Nyla make moves internationally actually agree with that so everybody if you're listening to this share it with your friends share this part with your friends right go and look up nyla blackman nyla blackman 
has released an album called Technique. I think 80% to 90% of the songs on there are bangers, right? Um, some wicked collaborations with some Jamaican artists, I think even Afrobeats artists, some remix artists, you know what I mean? Um, if you're female, this one was, there's some songs in there that will speak to you, you know? Um, I, I featured someone actually in my last radio show, which was episode 11. So if you want to listen to the Prescription Radio Show 11, it's got the interview with DJ Gel, and it's also got um, the some songs that Nyla Blackman released off her album. So I want to say a big up to Nyla Blackman. Hats off to Anson Pro and the whole team. I think Mikhail Teja, all those writers, all the writers, all the musicians, videographers, photographer, photography, because you know Nyla Blackman. I feel like she's the most pho uh, <laughs> photographed and videoed soca artist there is right now. What do you think? Every day there's something coming out of her in some fancy costume, dressed to the T, you know what I mean? What do you reckon? Uh, at the moment, yes. I think with the release of her album and all her video clips and everything coming out, um, there's definitely a, a lot, a lot, a lot coming through. But I think, oh, uh, you said soca artist, right? Okay. That's right. Yeah, no, I agree. No, she's like every single, if, if you jump on her Instagram or, or something, you're going to see her, or Facebook, you're going to see her in some new pose, or she's getting photographed, or she's getting, you know, she's doing something, which is really, really cool like, to see that she's doing that. And, you know, the release of this album is very important. I feel like we need, we need the support. We need, Australia needs to support this one. Nyla Blackman is the granddaughter of um, Soka, really. You know, so and she's been to Sydney. She's had a show in Sydney, and it was well attended for what it was at that particular point in time. But maybe if this one trends, we'll bring her back, and we'll see if we can, um, you know, do a small stadium. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let, before we go, I know I said we wrap it up, but before we go, jump onto my social media. Jump onto Jamie's social media. Free it up, dance. Free it up, dance on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Facebook. Because then you can. Find out when there's a class. Tell your friends to come to the class. Don't be shy. Uh, it's all about love with soca music. Definitely leading with love from this place, from Prescription Radio Crew. It's all about love. Um, and if you jump onto my socials, DJ Fazmo, you can get to see if I play anywhere these days. <laughs> and also, we're trying to look for a venue for Prescription Nightclub. So if you know anyone that's interested in having an, a Caribbean night, um, yeah, let us know in Sydney. And you know what, Jamie? I'll, I'll put it out there in the universe. Maybe we were going to hit up uh, Melbourne or Brisbane or uh, Northern Territory or Perth or Adelaide or Tasmania with an event. So, yeah. What do you say? I say let's put it out there and let's see what happens. All right. Till the next one. <laughs> Bye.